Hello and welcome to Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle for another week. We're 12 rounds into the NBL season and we seem to be getting more and more to talk about each and every week. So we'll go through the round 12 action. We'll look ahead to round 13. I've got my co-host back. We'll have a look back on some of the things that Matty Knight and Alex Loudon said last week that actually came true. So they might know what they're talking about, but we'll hopefully know what we're talking about this week. I'm Chris Pike, but the man who has healed up, let's hope he stays healed up because he's fresh off getting his booster shot right now. Cody Ellis, welcome back. Thanks, mate. Happy and healthy and uh, happy to be back. Yeah, we missed you last week. We may do without you, but you were laid low a little bit. Um, You're feeling better now, and we've got the paramedics on standby. (laughs) If anything happens during the show, if we have a... Have a hear a banging noise or a, a bit of silence. It's it's that booster shot that would have got you. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, got my third round uh, this morning. So haven't uh, haven't gotten hit with the side effects yet, but uh, we'll see what happens. No, let's hope let's hope you're okay. So plenty to get through. We're here thanks to Hoop Seven, obviously. So head to hoopseven.com.au to stock up on all of your basketball gear, or if you're in Perth, head to the physical store, which is an amazing it's an amazing site. You'll find everything that you could ever hope for there. So head to Murray Street in the Perth city. Thank you to them for making this show possible. Now, Cody, we've got a lot of a lot to get through. A lot happened this round. Two things I want to want to get your thoughts on. So, Matty Knight last week he joined me in in replacing you as as the co-host, and it was good fun catching up with Matty. But he made it made it pretty clear what he thought about how the Wildcats had to make a move. They needed to get a big big man in and. And probably that Michael Frazier was the expendable force. Um, we'll talk in depth about it a bit later in the show, but he probably knew what he was talking about based on what we saw against the Sydney Kings. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I think Maddie knows what he's talking about in the big department <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, we we sung Frazier's praises probably uh, two two three weeks yeah. ago. Um, he was and, in contention for the Galen Award. Well, he was. He was. And he was doing all those little things yeah. that allowed him to be in contention for that. And since then, he's kind of just fallen off the face of the earth. Mm. He's, uh, he's not looking like he's doing all those little one percenters like mm. we were talking about. Yeah. Um, he's not really looking to score too much. But when he does, it's kind of a bit of a forced shot just because he hasn't really done anything. Mm. But the Cats need that big horse in the middle, I yeah. think. I think they need a Plumlee-like player again. Yeah. Um, purely because every other team in contention has that, that big. They do. Maybe, maybe apart from Sydney. But you've still got yeah. Jarrell Martin to deal with. Right? Um, but the chances are, come playoff time, you're either going to be playing United or the Phoenix. Oh, well, and they've got, they've, got, they've got a lot of size. Yeah, they do. You know, Melbourne's got JLA and Huck Porty, and, mm. and both of those two are, are just a menace. Yeah. Um, you know, JLA is MVP contention, I think. Sure. Um, he just keeps getting better and better. And it's the same with Huck Porty. He just keeps getting better and better each game. Um, bit of confidence in him, and, mm. and he looks really good now. He yeah. looks really good. So... Um, and then, you know, you, you come up against Phoenix and you've got uh, Chi and um, Ashley. Ashley mm-hmm. And, again, those are two big bruises. Even Dane, they, they, they've got a third string in yeah, Dane, Dane yeah, yeah, right, exactly. And I forget about that because, mm. you know, Dane's you know, been a bit in and out this season, yeah. obviously. But, um, he was the leading re- rebounder in the league two years ago. Yeah, yeah. And he's someone that can affect the game like that. Yep. Um, I don't think... Maddie uh, Hodgson and and Juk can compete with those mm. kinds of guys. Yeah. Um, 
Majuk can't go for 40 minutes, mm. right? And, and Big Hodge has just not found any kind of form yet. Mm. He, he's in foul trouble a lot of the time or he just doesn't play that, that much. So yeah. I, think, I think the Cats really need to find that big body. And, and you're right, I think Frazier is probably that guy that needs mm. to, to move on. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because in a different situation, he could probably be a very handy player. Very. Um, we'll talk about Adelaide later. I mean, if you add him into that Adelaide 36s group, and he's probably a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex Loudon last week on the show also talked about his concerns about the Taipans bringing back Machado and Jerick, and obviously you, you're happy to have two superstars yeah. back, but what it's done is it's probably hurt their chemistry a little bit, and it's probably taken McCall and Bullcall out of what they were doing so well, and... What we saw on the weekend was two pretty horrific losses. Mm. Um, Rouse might have seen the warning signs on the on the wall, and all of a sudden those warning signs have become a lot bigger. Yeah, and again, Rousey, someone who knows that squad like the back of his mm. hand. Yeah, look, I mean, I, f- I feel like Cairns were kind of starting to get a little bit of momentum. Yeah. Um, obviously, if you can bring two guys of that calibre back into a squad, mm. then usually that's going to be a positive. Sure. Um, but both of those guys still aren't 100% healthy. Especially Machado doesn't look like no. he's got any sort of lift or no. sort of explosiveness. No, and that first game he played, he kind of was, was able to get through it mm. on pure adrenaline, I yeah. think. But as, it, as the games have gone on, I, I, I think he, is, he's, he probably needs to sit out a little longer, as much as you, you don't sure. want to be saying that. Well, McCall, to me, is better with the ball in his hands more. Yeah, he is. He is, and he's, he's that guy. And mm. you're probably better off spotting Machado up and letting McCall take the ball, sure. right? And that's going to help Scotty's recovery a bit yeah. as well. Yeah. But teams can't help off him too much. Hmm. He's going to knock that he'd down. He'd be a handy guy sitting in the corner. Well, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then Mirko, um, again, he still just doesn't seem 100%. He hasn't played for a long time. No, yeah. no. And that it's going to take him a while to get his fitness back hmm. properly. Like, like I said, I think it was my first episode, the only real way to be in NBL shape is to get through a preseason and oh, play games, sure. right? Yep. And as much as you do off the court, it, it doesn't really matter. You can get to a certain point, but mm. once you hit an NBL court in a game, it's, it's just different. Now, we'll talk a bit more about what's going on shortly. We're also going to catch up with Adam Gibson later in the show, Cody. Um, mm. He's in an interesting position where he's a coach. He can be a player if he wants to be, and he's also trying to set himself up off the court as well. So yep. plenty to catch up with Gibbo about. Um, I think he's technically counting himself as a 461-game player now, not a 460-game <laughs> player, but it'll be good to get some thoughts from, from Gibbo later in the show. Oh, for sure, for sure. And, you know, Gibbo is one of the, one of the greats of the, of the NBL um, mm-hmm. in recent history, and um, he's someone I've always enjoyed watching. Um, and, you know, someone who... We haven't really had a whole lot to do with each other on the court, mm. but you know we, we've spoken to each other a fair bit. And mm. Someone who I respect very highly. No, very good. So we'll get to him shortly. Um, I might just run through the round 12 results quickly, Cody, and then we'll, we'll dig a bit deeper into them. So it started back last Thursday night with a throwdown. This was a fascinating game. Melbourne United ended up beating the South East Melbourne Phoenix 94-87. to This was an interesting one too. The Kansas Taipans started well, but... It got pretty ugly for the yeah. last three quarters. The Illawarra yeah. Hawks, 79, beat the Taipans, 54. Lowest ever score against the Hawks in NBL history. Yeah. Um, Saturday, South East Melbourne Phoenix. This was a, this was a fun game. Mm. Probably the best offensive game we've seen just about this season. The yeah. Phoenix beat the Brisbane Bullets, 98 to 94. Then second up, maybe this was even, an even better contest. <laughs> yeah. um, the Sydney Kings held off the Perth Wildcats, 98 
to 95. Then the triple header on Sunday. Again, the Taipan started well, but it all fell apart after that. They lost to the Adelaide 36ers, 82 to 71. Um, we felt sorry for the New Zealand Breakers. Next up on Sunday, Melbourne United flexed their flexed their muscle and their depth more than anything, 108 to 73. And last up, Tasmania Jack Jumpers shot the lights out, and they beat the Alora Hawks, 96 to 86. Mm-hmm. Plenty there to get through, Cody. Why don't we start with Melbourne because their depth to me was what stood out in both their games, but especially against the Breakers, where they used all 13 of their players, 12 of them scored. A whole heap of them played at least at least five five minutes. Mm-hmm. Their depth to me is the thing that stands out probably above above everything else. Oh, it is, definitely. And you know, that's something that going into the season, they were always gonna be dangerous because of their depth. Yeah. You know, they, they make subs and you don't lose anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if anything you gain because you've got new fresh guys coming in. Everyone on that team buys into their role. Um you know, you've got guys like Goulding who could probably put up 20 shots a game, yeah. but isn't because he knows that it's not the best thing for the team. If he gets rolling, then obviously he's going to be putting oh, shots up, yeah. which would be, you know, that's Dean making sure that, um, you know, he's got the right guys rolling. Mm. Um, they are. They're just so deep. They're so deep. You know, like like we mentioned earlier, you got JLA mm-hmm. as, as an MVP candidate in my eyes. Yep. You bring him off and you've got Huck Porty coming in mm-hmm. who is another monster. Yeah. You know, and again, someone on another team who could be starting and playing For significant sure. minutes. Yeah. Um, he wouldn't be a bad fit in the market. Too, there you go. There you go. So they are. They're so deep. They're so deep. And their roster is full of talent. Um, and you know, if they stay healthy from top to bottom, then they're going to be a legit, legit contender this year. Yeah. It's the defensive end. So I... I spoke to Brad Newley earlier today and I asked him the question, who do you think out of your team is the fa- favourite to win the Damo Award? And I mentioned that, you know, Damo's got Jack White and Shaili and Joe the Wilder Chul, who he's mentioned recently. Yeah. And then Newell's was quick to point out, well, what about what about Daly and what about yeah. Agata, who I'd put in there as yeah, well? Absolutely. So you've got five genuinely really good defenders, which is probably a, a big reason why they're mighty tough to score against. For sure. And you've got Daly, who is an NBA defensive player. Yeah. But doesn't get spoken about, yep. you know? Yep. So if you've got guys like that that don't get talked about, then you know you're, you're deep in that. Mm. Um, and even, even again, going back to Goulding, who's someone who the further his career has gone on, yep. the better defensively he's sure. got. And he makes concerted effort now. Every now and then he'll have that lazy play here mm. and there, but, you know, everyone's going to do that. So you've got guys like that buying in on the defensive end and, and that's where championships are won on that end. Sydney Kings, now... For the first probably eight or nine rounds of this season, I felt silly after having them as my championship pick at the start of the season, but I'm suddenly not feeling too bad about that pick no. now because they're, they're in really good form. They brought in Ian Clark, who looks like he's going to have an instant impact, and they were already a dangerous team. Yeah. Um, Jalen Adams is, we'll get to it later, but he's almost tipping off Bryce Cotton on top of the, the leaderboard in the in the ready best player of the season award. Yep. Um, Jarrell Martin could be the best big in the league, or yep. if not very close to it. Um, and now they're playing winning basketball as well. They're finding ways to win. Um, they've got a lot of momentum behind them. They do, and and they're a fun team to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, you you got Adams who has found his groove now, yeah. and he was one guy that at the start of the year everyone was not really sure about mm. him. Um, but I I know what he'd done in college, and yeah. 
he is a legit player. Yep. And as we are now seeing, now mm-hmm. that he's healthy, touch wood that he stays healthy, he's a menace. Mm-hmm. He's really good. And he fits that team really well. Jarrell Martin, again, the Kings are that anomaly team in the um, contention squad that don't have that big no, monster player. Yeah, right? Martin, he's a big, but he kind of plays like a four. He does. He yeah. plays a lot yeah. more like a four. And then you got, you know, you got Cooks who's playing the four, probably a three man. Yep. So they're playing that small ball kind of Golden State type mm. small ball game, which yeah. suits them. It's fun to watch. And now that everyone's clicking, it's it's uh, mm. it's it's, a, it's dangerous for the rest of the league, I think. And you're right. It looks like they're having fun. Yeah. I mean, they've got that Kudos Bank Arena rocking. I mean, yeah. that's a that's a tough crowd to wake up at times, as you would have yes. seen when yes, you were there. Is. But that place actually looks like it's rocking right now. Yeah, it is. And again, you've got a team that's fun to watch. Yeah. Again, you know, people want to come out and see that. Mm. Um, you know, for the couple of years I was there, it was it was tough. We were a bit up and down. Mm. So, <laughs> um, and we weren't at Kudos, but yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, look, Sydney fans want some excitement. Yeah, um, that's what the city's about. So. They've got the right squad for that. And bringing in Ian Clark again, he's going to be such a big piece to them. Yep. And as we saw, you know, he, he's going to change the game yeah. for them on multiple occasions on both ends of the floor. South East Melbourne Phoenix as well. I'll talk with Gibbo a bit more about them yep. later, but your quick thoughts because I think they're a very different team when Xavier Munford is back now up and going than when, when he's not. So obviously he went down with COVID, he came back against Melbourne United, but he wasn't healthy enough to, to play down the stretch in that game and that's when Melbourne overran them mm-hmm. and took over the game. So I think it's a different game if Munford's healthy. Yep. And then we saw that when they played the Bullets, he had a big impact and obviously the shooting of Glidden and Brokoff was huge. But to me, Munford might be just about their most important player. Um, yeah, look, I think he's certainly up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... The Phoenix need to figure it out on the defensive end. Yep. Um, again, like I said, championships are won on that end of the floor. Mm. And I think of those four teams, they're probably on the lower end of the, of the defensive effectiveness. Yep. Um, but they've got a heck of a lot of firepower on the offensive mm. end. So teams are going to have to stop them as well. Sure. Um, but you're right. I think getting Mumford in there healthy and being able to play where he was before his little COVID break yep. um, is a game changer for them. How happy for Cam Gooden and Ryan Brokoff oh. were you to see their shots fall? Because they, they've made a, li- a livelihood out of being great shooters, but so far this season before that game on Saturday night, Cam Gooden had only shot 9 of 25 from three. Yep. Ryan Brokoff, who got to the NBA as a three-point shooter, mm-hmm. he'd gone 14 of 62, but suddenly on Saturday night, Gooden didn't miss a shot. Those four in the first quarter got him going. He went mm-hmm. six of six for the night. Brokoff picked up from there, went four of seven. They're two of the two of the nicest guys and two guys that have been through a lot the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. How happy for, for those two were you? Oh man, I was sitting there yelling at my TV. <laughs> it was awesome. Yep. Um, no, I loved it. I loved seeing those two guys um, kind of hit their stride a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, especially uh, Cam, who has been very up and down. Yeah. Um, kind of hasn't probably seen the same amount of time as he would on another team again. But that's because he, he hasn't been able to hit his shots. Yep. Um, I think he's had COVID twice as well. Yeah, which that doesn't help, yeah. does it? <laughs> um, and then Rouds, like we were saying, he's been doing a lot of the other stuff, yep. the little bits and pieces. The rebounding has been huge for him. Um, but diving on the floor, getting those deflections, um, 
has helped him stay in games. And mm. then I think him seeing a few go down is just going to do wonders for his confidence. The Tasmania Jack Jumpers, we've sung their praises a lot on this show about how good defensively they are, yep. how well drilled they are, how they make themselves really hard to play against. All of a sudden, they still did all that on Sunday against the Aurora Hawks, but they became a three-point shooting Gosh, team as well. Did they, ever. they took 42 of them for the game, yep. but more impressively, they hit 22 of them. Um, equaled the record for a 40-minute NBL game. You know, We know how good defensively they've been, but... If they suddenly become a team that can shoot and score the ball, they're a really genuine playoff threat. Yeah. Well, that gym in Illawarra is a shooter's gym, <laughs> yep. if ever I've been yep. in one. Um, so it doesn't surprise me that, you know, with the calibre of shooters that they have, that they've gone off like that. Mm. In saying that, 22 or 42 is ridiculous. Mm. That is crazy. Yeah. Um, I was sitting there watching it with, with Dad, and I think they'd already put up 23s with I think there was about six minutes to go in the second quarter <laughs> yeah and we were sitting there just going what is going on mm. here um, but I also think that um, just shows the the Hawks woes on defense yeah um, they just they can't stop anyone mm. and and that's what's going to kill them this year and Gorge almost looks like he, he doesn't know what to do with them yeah. um, but look Tazzy were unreal Adams hit eight threes, the Hawks hit four as mm. a team, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, like, and, you know, you got guys like McDaniel who came out and just mm. had the first half of his career. Yeah. Like, it was ridiculous. Yeah. He was unreal. Um, Stein coming out, three of seven. That's typical Stein. Yeah. Um, McVeigh, two of seven. But he set the tone. He, I think he, he did. He, he hit the first two of the game. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. He could have very easily hit two or three more. Yeah. Um, especially the way he plays. Yep. After seeing those first couple go in, that's mm. one of those danger zones where you're just like, uh-oh, we need to find him yep. now. Um, again, they're, they're a fun squad to watch as, as well. Um, they're scrappy on defense. They're up and in. They, they jump around, fly around the court. And if, if they start hitting like this, I mean, I don't expect them to, them to go 22 from 42 every game from mm. now on, from the three. But if they're, if they're doing that, um, they're going to be a danger team. Absolutely. Brisbane Bullets wanted to get your thoughts on as well. They seem to be finding ways to lose right now, yes. and they're not playing that, that badly. So last week on the show, we talked about the game that they threw away against the Sydney Kings, and now this one was interesting against the Phoenix because they, I think they would have been really happy to put up 94 points, especially mm. without Nathan Sobey. Yeah. They couldn't have asked for much more out of Franks and Patterson. Mm. Um, there just seems to be something missing in that group right now where when the game's on the line, they don't seem to, to function that well. No, and that's, look, it's a tough one because you're right. Franks came out, he was really good again after having probably a couple of quieter games by mm. his standards. Um, Patterson's continued his, his really good play okay. just because he's aggressive. He stays aggressive and that's what we were saying earlier is for them to be successful, he needs to stay aggressive. Mm. Um, and he's done a really good job of that. Um, tough without Sobes out there. He's yeah. kind of that, that floor general floor for yeah. them. Um, you know, we spoke about Jace Kadee, who probably needs to step his game up a little bit. Mm. But, again, he's playing a role. You know, mm. he's not playing the, the Sydney Kings' Jason Kadee where mm. it was go out and get 25, no. you know. Um, well, scoring's not really the problem, is it? It's not. It's not. Winning is a habit. Mm. And it's something that that game against Sydney probably just destroyed them mentally. Oh, a game yeah. that they should never have lost. Yeah. 
you know, thrown away in that past couple of seconds. Mm. And then all of a sudden a close game comes and all of, all of a sudden that's what you're thinking about. Yeah. Um, it was an interesting last play because they they were down one from memory. Mm-hmm. Um, or they might have been down two. Either way, either way, they didn't need a three, but Robert Franks took the three when yep. he didn't need to. But are you happy for him to take that or would have you taken the two to get, get the scores tied? Oh, no, they, they were down, down two, yeah. down two. No, they should have attacked the rim. Mm. He had a lane. He, he had a lane, yeah. opened up nicely for him, mm. and he did his little side step, step yeah. back and, and shot that three. Yeah. I don't think that's the right shot. If you're wide open on that, for sure, right? But if you've got that lane, take that, yeah. right? Chances are someone's gonna, someone big's going to come across mm-hmm. and contest it. Yep. Chances are you might draw a foul. Sure. But, yeah, look, I, I don't think that was the right shot to take. Mm. Speaking of that... Um the Wildcats at the end of the Sydney Kings game. They, there was an, it was an amazing last sort of thirty seconds where yeah. the Kings did everything to give them a chance to, to still snatch the game. Bryce was looking dangerous, but I assume when he handed the ball off to, to Vic Law, who was two meters behind the three point line, yeah. I assume Bryce thought he was going to be getting the ball back and then work out what to do on that for the last shot. Vic just chucks up a terrible looking three point shot that wasn't necessary because I didn't need a three pointer yeah. either. Um, to me, Vic looks like a guy who's out there for himself right now and mm. wants to put up the, the numbers and wants to play hero, maybe not necessarily doing what's right for the team. Right, and again, another one that they were down a point. Yep. Down one point. Yep. With the ball, with... And they got to that point through Sydney handing it to oh, them. They probably, thought they, they were, <laughs> they probably thought they were done, but all of a sudden they're within a point and they could have snatched it. They didn't need to. Yeah resort to what they did. That was the most strange <laughs> last three minutes of yep. basketball I've seen in a while. Big play after big play, mm-hmm. followed by just brain fade after brain fade. Well, they, they turned the ball over, then they fouled, and yep. then Jalen Adams overstepped, Jumped the, over the, overstepped the baseline, of yep. the sideline, which yep. is amazing to see at that point. Yeah. It was just, like I said, just silly plays, just mm-hmm. stuff that should never have happened. Yeah. Um, you know, whether... That foul when Jesse was shooting that three was a foul or not. Mm. Doesn't matter. You got too close to him. Yeah. They're going to call that. Sure. And then, yeah, Adams, whether he doesn't know his own athleticism and just mm. kept floating. <laughs> and <laughs> I wouldn't know what that's like, to be honest. <laughs> but um, it, was, it was just crazy. They just, they just tried to give it to the Cats. And then, you know, Cats have the ball with, I think the shot clock was turned off as well. So they had it. They had the ball. They had that chance to, to win it without Sydney getting a crack at it again. Um, you know, Bryce drove it in to the foul line, kicked it out to Vic on the wing. Again, two metres, metre and a half, two mm-hmm. metres out from the three. Yeah. With 14 seconds on the clock. Yep. So much time, yep. you know. And then you could see Bryce starting to step back towards the centre circle, mm-hmm. thinking he was going to get the ball oh, so he could go downhill. I think that's what he expected. Well, that's what everyone expected. <laughs> that's what I was expecting, I'll tell you that yeah. much. Um and then, yeah, it just took a fairly awful shot, really. I mean, that's pretty much all you can say about it. You're Does right. Does he get told that afterwards? It's, it's a tough one. It's mm. a tough one. With a guy of that calibre, like, I think he knows that, that was probably not the right shot. Mm. Whether going at him is the right approach or talking about it later with just him or yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what, I'm not sure how best he reacts to that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, and that's where the coaching staff would know better. Mm. Uh, but I think it has to be brought up. Mm. 
I mean, he, he was one of seven, or one of six. One of six. That yeah. It's not like he was hot. No. If he'd been five or six, maybe you, a different you, story, you, right? you let him take it. But even the past couple of games, he's just, he hasn't been the same big law that we saw at the start of the season yeah. for them. And I always thought that it was going to be a bit of headbutting between him and Bryce, I mm. think. But start of the year, they proved me wrong yeah. from the get-go because they both just played so well together, mm. you know, and then end up being one and two in the league and scoring. Yeah. Okay, well, proved me wrong, sure. sweet. <laughs> um, and, yeah, Vic just kind of looks like he's trying to force it too much right mm. now. Um, you see Bryce gets his stuff out of the system. Right. Whereas Vic, I think, kind of wants to get it out of his just random post touches or just mm. breaking out of the play and going in on one-on-one, yeah. which you'd probably live with that most of the time mm. because he's so talented and chances are he's going to score on you because yeah. he's just he's such a potent offensive player. But I think he needs to get through their system a bit better now, get to the foul line, get his touches going mm. just to get that confidence back. I agree. I, I think he's a much better player when he's catching on the block and using his three-point shooter as a surprise move rather yeah, than what definitely. he's doing now and, and relying on it. Adelaide 36ers, a lot going on there, which we'll, we'll talk about later, but on yeah. the, at least on the court, um, this was a game they just had to win against the Taipans on their home floor to keep any, any sort of touch with the top four. They started horribly. Um, I think they were down 15 during the first quarter, but they, they got going after that. Yep. Um, that was an absolute must-win game, game for them. Oh, it was. It was huge. And, you know, there's definitely something going on in Adelaide. Mm. Um, like like we'll talk about, is there's lots going on behind the scenes and the, away from the team. But mm. I think there's something going on within the team as well. Um, so th- this was huge for them. Um, I think they probably came up against a team that was good for their confidence, um, getting cans. But, I mean, being down 15 in that first mm. quarter early, it was, it was a good job from them to fight out of that yeah. and come back from that. Lots of other teams in Adelaide's situation, you know, probably not having played as many games recently and would have just folded at that point. Mm. It's like, oh, oh, well, move on to the next one now. Yeah. Um, so they fought really well. They fought really well. And knowing a lot of those guys on that team and, and CJ as well, mm. like he's not that kind of a person that would just fold over. No. doesn't matter if they were down 20 with three minutes to go. He's not, sure. not saying quit. Um, so, yeah, big win for him. Um, I think it's, it was good. You know, DJ had a DJ game. Yeah, um, I oh, think, finally. I know, which mm. is, is good. Um, hopefully he continues that now. Because, what, 18 and 9, that should be... That's his that, career average. Well, that's about. it. That should yeah. be the bare minimum from DJ. Macca doing Macca things, just mm. just being a facilitator. But with his 14, yeah. you know, that helps as well. Yeah. Being that aggressive threat to score sure. makes them better as a team. Yeah, uh, just an interesting squad right now. It, it is. We'll get to that later. Um now, you mentioned they did it against the Taipans, and I don't know if they can come back from that sort of deficit early against a team other than the Taipans right mm. now, unless it's the Breakers. Both those teams are in a bit of a bit of a funk right now. The Breakers are a bit different because their best is pretty incredible still, as we saw yep. the week before when they they had a win mm-hmm. and, and dominated the Taipans. The Taipans are in a real a real funk right now. I yeah. mean, both of those teams. Uh, I don't know what the answers are for them. No. And it, it's a tough one. New Zealand doing it different than everyone else, mm. you know, being away from home for yeah, so long. Sure. So you've, you've got a feel for those guys. Obviously, the Cats have been away for a long time now, mm. but they get, they've got some light at the end of the tunnel yeah. coming home soon. 
Um, whereas I don't think New Zealand be back home this year. No, they won't be. No, no. no. Again, you know, for a, a second second season. So that sucks, and and they're in a at a very average situation. Um, but still, you know, they they just they're not producing on the court. I I don't know if it's what they're running, how they're running it. Um, they're just a very up and down team. Mm. Um, like you mentioned, we saw when they could be really good. Yeah. But that's against opponents that probably yeah. aren't up to the level of the rest sure. of the league anyway. And then you know, they come across a really hot mm. United team. Took no mercy. <laughs> Took no Absolutely mercy no me. mercy, which, <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. And, yeah. and that's part of it. I do feel for them. Being away from home is not easy. Um, but then not performing and not, not winning games would just make it that much worse. Mm. Okay, that was a big round 12 in the NBL, Cody. We've got some votes to get through as well. Believe it or not, both Damon and Sean have come through for us this week. Love so it, love it. Unbelievable, but you might find some of their voting interesting as well. So I'll get your thoughts on it. Let's start with the Damo, the Best Defensive Player Award, thanks to Everlast, obviously Damien Martin. So it's really tough to criticise when it comes from Damo mm-hmm. because he's the best defender we've ever seen. But... I want to get your thoughts. So he's gone the three votes to Mitch McCarron this week, and he did a really good job. If you have a look at the defensive job he did on on Scott Machado, it was it was pretty impressive on on Sunday. Jack White, again, it's probably tough to argue, but that was a a really good couple of wins by Melbourne United. Interesting, Antonius Cleveland, he's got in there as well. No sign of Xavier Cook, so I thought was fantastic against Vic yeah, Law, definitely. but I guess. Damo knows best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he certainly does. Like, <laughs> like I've said before, you don't get the uh, all-defensive award named after mm. you for, for no reason. So, uh, yeah, look, Cooks is probably the one that stands out for me not being in there just because of his job on Vic. Um, and whether that was because Vic's kind of in his, his little slump right mm. now or, or if Zave was, was up and in and, and doing the right things to, to stop that. But, yeah, look, it's hard to, to go against those those. Those three guys are some of the better defenders in the league and certainly very deserving. Hmm. Now, the Redditch Player of the Year Award, the scoring machines come through. Five votes for Jalen Adams, who's now rocketing up the leaderboard. I think he's only now two votes behind Bryce Cotton. Four votes Joe Lalala Chul, who especially dominated in that game against the Phoenix. Daniel Johnson, the three votes for a DJ game, like we talked about just before. Mm-hmm. Bryce Cotton, the two votes for his game against the Kings. And Mitch Creek still gets the one vote to stay up near the top of the, the leaderboard. Happy with those, Cody? Uh, look, all guys, that, again, very deserving, but I think the way uh, Josh Adams played, mm. uh, he should be in that top two or three, mm. to be honest with you. 28 points, 8 of 12 eight from of 3. 12. Yeah, yeah. Was, it was a big reason that Tassie got on that roll. Some of those threes he ended up mm. hitting, those, those last few that he hit were just ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, look, I think... The only other one that I would put in there would be him. Yep. Probably not a bad guy to knock off for the one vote. So, yeah, yeah. You, you probably probably can't argue, but... No. But again, the scoring machine is the scoring machine. He is. But what we're going to decide, Cody, is the Galen Award. The best team man in the NBL, named after Galen Young, NBL Championship winner. And I, I've got some names to throw your way, and I'm happy for you to put somebody else in the mix, but I think the way Melbourne's playing right now, you can always nominate anyone from that yeah, Melbourne team, yep, but definitely. 
Three that I'd single out, Caleb Agata, Shayili, and Jack White. Um, Xavier Munford from the Phoenix, for all the reasons I mentioned before, I just think if he's out there running the team, they look to be a much smoother running mm-hmm. running outfit. Yeah. Antonius Cleveland is probably similar reasons why Damo gave him a defensive award. He gets his hands in the lanes, and some of those steals that he gets can be game-changing. Um, Xavier Redden Mays is an interesting one. Tyler Harvey's in a little bit of a rut right now, but I think Xavier's actually doing a really good job as a steadying influence and making big plays yeah. when it matters most. And he's also running the offense probably better than Tyler is and also probably defending better and also rebounding. He almost had a triple-double in that mm-hmm. game on Sunday. So, I, yeah, I, I put him in the mix. Yep. Xavier Cooks, I think, has to be on this list every week every just week. for everything yeah. he does. Yep. And Mitch McCarron, um, he had a really important game on Sunday. Does mm-hmm. one of those jump out or somebody else? Um, look, uh, again, it's probably the, the list that I would have put together too. So there's, there's plenty of guys around the league that you could give this to each week. One of the things for me with the Melbourne team is, is Shay Illy goes a bit unnoticed mm. with what he does. Yep. Um, while he's probably not being that offensive threat like he has been in the past, mm. Not that he's been a massive offensive threat, mm. but he's been he's been looking to score. Yeah. Um, he's just got so much talent around him now that he doesn't really have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He does a lot of the little stuff that, that kind of goes unnoticed. Cool. Um, again, diving on that loose ball, usually guarding the best guard, yeah. and just making life hell for him. Mm. So I think he would be my pick this week purely because I, I love the way he plays on both ends of the floor. There's no rules on this award. Yep. So, so what that means for Shay is that he's a back-to-back winner. Because yep. I, I gave the job to Laos last week and yep. Laos picked, picked Shay last week as well. So yep. I think that may, means he's the, he's the first multiple there you winner. Go. There you go. Nice. Yeah, and again, very deserving, I think. I think um, you know, he, he gets spoken about, but I, mm. I still think he is one of the unsung heroes of that team. More importantly, it'll make it'll make Big Joe happy because he wanted Shay to get some recognition, and yeah, now yeah. we're giving it to him. Yeah, <laughs> twice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for that, Cody. It's been a big round twelve to get through. Let's take a deep breath. When I come back, we'll hear from Adam Gibson. Okay. Okay, back on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle, and one of our favourites, Adam Gibson, back with us. Now, Gibbo, let's get straight into it. You almost made that grand return of playing game 461. You, you signed that short-term deal. You were suited up on the bench. Did you think that Judd was going to, going to give you the nod? Well, I hope it counts to my uh, record. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm counting it. Um, look, I, I wasn't sure. Like, I haven't been training. I haven't been training too much. I don't like a little bit of kind of my own stuff. Well, I mean, we, we didn't know what was going to happen with Ruben. He, he'd been in isolation mm-hmm. uh, with COVID. He'd just come back like a day before, so they weren't sure if they are going to get two minutes out of Rubes or, or 10 or 15. So it was more just feeling out how he went, and, and he obviously played uh, pretty well, and his body was, was um, kind of holding up. So, yeah, I wasn't sure. Kind of the night before, kind of a few conversations, there was potential to play a little bit. But, you know, when the game kind of unfolded and, and he started to play 
play a fair bit um, kind of by by half time I kind of didn't didn't expect to get on so yeah it was one of those um, <laughs> kind of rush rush things but it was still good to, to kind of be a part of it. How did you do you handle game day? Did you treat it like you were going to play? Did you do everything like you would have for the last fifteen years on a, on a normal game day and get yourself ready? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was kind of a, a last minute. I kind of found out, uh, found out at about 11 o'clock the night before. So <laughs> I quickly got up and went and shot some shots at the, the warehouse I have just mm. to get some rhythm shots in. And yeah, I treated it like, like a normal game day. Got up and normal routine, shoot around, um, whatever it was, and kind of got myself going and was yeah, mentally kind of prepared and, and whatever. So just like another another normal day. Which was yeah, it was good fun. It was it was kind of weird being back in that mindset because I'd been going against the coach mm. and without any pressure to, to have to perform. So um, yeah, it's a little bit different. Yeah, it was, it was a funny one. So I'll, I'll give you a little bit of an, an insight. I, about a month or so earlier, the Code Code Sports website contacted me and said, "Look, do you want to do any writing for us?" And I and if they got any story ideas, and I suggested a story on you, given you know how you're travelling. So I pitched the idea to them. They liked the story, and then I wrote it. Just based around how you, you were still ready to play in the league, and you know, disappointed to not get a go with the Jack Jumpers, and looking forward to what what you were now now doing and, and everything. And, and then they said, "Oh, yeah, but he's he's not a current player." So so I wrote the story, and then they said, "Oh, yeah, but I don't know if we're actually going to use it." But then that morning yeah. of, of the game day, the news came out about you signing, and and they contacted me and said, "Oh, look, why don't we use that story on Gibbo now?" And I'm like, "Yeah, go for it." So I was pretty yeah. excited. So I had that story in the bank, and they they ran ran it out there and. It got some some air time, but I. How about we do count on this game four sixty one anyway? What do you reckon? I reckon we count it. It's good to be prepared. So I'm glad you did that. You know, you just never know what might happen, mate. So, <laughs> exactly. uh, yeah. But no, I, I, I don't expect to get another call. Obviously, we had four or five guys out due to COVID, and I think that's kind of passed majority of our guys now. So I think it's across the team that everyone stays healthy to to finish out the rest of the season. So. Just touching on that, I mean, how tough was it as a, a team there at the Phoenix when you had so many guys go down at once and you still managed to be competitive and you probably still could have you know, got another win or two even despite those guys missing, but how tough of a period was it? Because it happened to come just at the time when you had a pretty pretty hectic schedule. Yeah, it was tough, you know, and losing Simon as well. So we, we went down to Illawarra without a head coach and without a bunch of players and we got a, a good, tough win down there. Um, you know, Juddie's first win as a head coach. And um, that obviously started things up pretty well, you know, and then come back and, and you know, obviously we, we lost a close one to Melbourne, which, you know, we had, you know, we probably should have should have won that too. It was a great game in the end and we just didn't score to finish out that game. And, um, you know, obviously to beat, uh, beat Brisbane as well, uh, you know, we kind of, I think we kind of went into that thinking now if we, if we come out of this with a record 50-50, we're pretty happy considering the amount of players and staff that we had out. But to win more games than we lost, I think was pretty special. And obviously, at the end of that, the guys are pretty worn down. And luckily, they've had a week, or well, there's a week now between games to freshen up and get some days off. But just shows, I think, the depth of the team that, that we've put together. Um, you know, anyone can step up at any given time. And, and even with lighter numbers, I always like playing with smaller numbers because you know as a player you're going to get more opportunity, you're going to get more of the ball. You're with the same guys out on the court more so you get in a better rhythm. So I think that kind of helped us a little bit in, in um, Illawarra having those players. Absolutely. Um, a couple of guys I wanted to ask you about. Because as a team, you've been playing so well all season without really shooting the ball that great. Um, obviously, Rowdy and, and Cam Glidden have made a made their careers out of being great shooters and they hadn't been knocking them down so far this season. But 
on Saturday night they caught fire and that was it was incredible to watch Glizzo, you know, in that first quarter knock down those four and he didn't miss one the entire night. It was great to see Rowdy knock down some shots. I mean, if you've got guys like that knocking down their shots as well as everything else you're doing as a team, you might not be able to stop you. Yeah, I think the beauty about our, uh, the beauty about the team still winning games and not shooting well. Um, you know, our defense has been holding up. We've been waiting, and I think we've been shooting just under thirty percent from three the whole year, which is horrible. And you know, we hit one or two threes in a game, and it feels like they're ten to twelve. That's how important they had been feeling. You know, this game. You know, and going back to Cam Glidden, like he's. He had hip surgery, he had a, a horrible preseason. He had a couple of bouts with COVID yeah. with him and his family, so he missed a bunch. And just hasn't hasn't had a clean run um, for a while. So he's finally been a little bit healthier and, and got an opportunity, and um, he let him rip, and, and he was knocking him down. And it just opened things up so much for everyone else. You know, it's a really confidence thing when someone hits one or two. Now the pressure's taken off, whereas before, if you know our guys are missing, then the next three or four, there's, there's more pressure. We, we just weren't making shots. So for Cam to start it, it, it um, kind of snowballed, and then you know Rowdy got one, and they whoever it was, Tricky hit one. Mm. But I think the most disappointing thing for us is we finally made shots, and our defense was, was horrible. Um, you know, our defense had been holding out, but um, yeah, we, we kind of flipped the, the, the script a little bit and made threes, but our defense wasn't as good. So um, I think if we can get back to our defensive intensity and then knock some shots down, you're right. I don't think too many teams will beat us. Mm. A couple of quick things aside from what's happening in the NBL, Gibbo. It looks like, looks like Adam Gibson 1 is really taking off. You look like you're a hell of a busy man right now. Mate, I'm all over the place. I'm, uh, obviously, my, my individual coaching that I've, I've started, Adam, like that's gone pretty well. But yeah, besides the feeding stuff, I'm, yeah, I started at Robo Sports Academy, which is mm. an unbelievable school for you know, athletes or kids to go to school, but basically to play, play basketball you know, most of the day. So yeah, I'm working on a few days a week, which is a bit of fun and a bit of stability as well. So um, all over the place, spread myself out as much as I can. So at this stage, you don't have to follow Damo's path down the, the real estate track? No, not yet. Uh, I did look into a real estate course there once. Uh, Mick Hill is a mate of mine, uh, past Timo. He's heavily involved in that down here, and he tried to get me on board. But I'll let Damo hold that down for a little mm-hmm. bit. And, uh, if things get tough, I might go down that path. Now, you wouldn't be surprised to hear this, and it's been fun hearing you and Damo catch up the last couple of times, that he's abandoned the show here on, on Hoop7's Basketball Hustle. Given how how flaky he famously is, that probably doesn't surprise you too much, does it? No, nah, it doesn't. He, he's a bit of a flake. I'm sure he's a very busy man. I know he's quite popular. Like you said, the real estate, he's doing a bit of everything, Damo. So I'm sure everyone's wants a piece of it. Yeah, they do. And he, he found, it, found a job at SEN doing a daily radio show now, which has started as of this week. But we're not here to pump him up. Um, one thing <laughs> I'm looking forward to, next time we catch up, Cody Ellis is now my co-host. And... I'm looking forward to you catching up with him because I don't know if your paths have ever really crossed too much. No, not a lot. Um, obviously, uh, you know, I kind of like watching Cody play, like how he played the game and he can pop a three-point shooter. I know you guys have talked about it before, just how he, his career ended and yeah. I thought it ended, ended pretty quick, you know, which I he was definitely considered to come to Brisbane um, when all that was going on when I was still up there. But, yeah, we, we never played you know, anything like that, but uh, it'd, be, it'd be good to get on, on with Cody and, and have a bit of a chat for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Look forward to that next time we have you on, Gibbo. Before I let you go, you've got, you got a week between games now for the Phoenix. Has that break been good for the team and what are you looking forward to seeing once you get back out there this weekend? Yeah, it's definitely been good for the boys. They've been, they've been working pretty hard. Um, 
also gives you know the coaches a bit more time to prepare. Obviously, we have Perth this weekend, and they're, they're obviously a tough team, like always. You know, they've got weapons all over the floor, and to have a week to prepare for them, and, and hopefully the boys get their defensive mindset back in. You know, against Perth, it's a, it's a, it's a battle, uh, a physical battle, and we have to come out and. We can't get beat by 30 by then before we come out the next game and play hard. So it's got to be a bit of a focus for us just to lock in and come out firing um, Saturday night. No, excellent. We look forward to it, Gibbo. And it's been fun to pick your brains. I know you've got a coaching clinic to get right to right now, but thanks for joining us once again. And we'll speak to you in about a month's time again. Absolutely. Anytime, mate. Anytime. Appreciate it. Okay, thank you to Adam Gibson for joining us once again on Hoop7's Basketball Hustle. He's looking forward to catching up with you next time, Cody, as yeah. he talked about. One thing I want to get your thoughts on, after you left the Hawks, he, he just talked about how the Brisbane Bullets were pretty keen on bringing you, mm-hmm. bringing you up there. I assume you talked to him at the, t- at yeah. the time about yeah. going up there. How close did that ever come? Uh, look, I think it was, it was a really odd situation because of what was happening at the bullets as well um, behind the scenes a bit but yeah Gibbo and, and Jace were two guys that reached out to me constantly and it was kind of just in talks it wasn't wasn't a whole lot more there that, that happened okay. um, so I never like I never really heard from anyone um, in the office or anything mm-hmm. like that but yeah look it it was nice to know that mm. there was guys out there that were still interested yeah. um, and mentally, I don't know how ready I would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, another another team that had reached out, but that was the next season, was Melbourne and okay. Dean Vickerman. Yep. He we'd met up and had a chat as well, and it ended up being that I'd told my agent, "Look, mentally, I am just absolutely drained, mm-hmm. and and I can't do this right now." Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's you know that's something that I look back at, and I'm just like, "Look, was that the right thing to do?" Mm-hmm. But would I have? been any good anyway had I have had I have gone there because of everything that went down and um, I, I just wasn't wasn't there wasn't ready to go mentally but I loved watching that Brisbane team um, they were they were a lot of fun they were always tough to play against and and I've been lucky enough to play for for Dre you know with, with some of the the boomers stuff and the emerging boomers teams and it was a lot of fun to play for so look if that opportunity had to come up I definitely would have given it some 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 real thought. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was always good hearing from Gibbo. Yeah, good. Next time he's on the show, you can, you can talk to him about that. Yeah, for sure. We can chat about it a bit more. Yep. Now, there's some plenty of other stuff happening across the league, yes. Cody, that we'll talk about before we have a look at the games in round 13. Let's start in Adelaide because the man that was charged in putting this team together, Jeff Van Groningen, is now no longer part of the club. Yeah. It's been coming for a couple of weeks now. It had been building. Um, it's now been made official. It's fascinating because he's the man that put this team together. He's the man that was largely responsible for Connor Henry not coming back and for bringing CJ Bruton in. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, he's no longer there. Um, what's your reaction to that? Um, I wasn't expecting it, to be honest with you, um, especially at this point of the year. Mm. But that... That kind of lines up with how Adelaide's been going this past few years. Just so much turnover yeah. um, throughout the, the whole organisation. And 
to be a successful organization, you can't be doing that. Mm. You know, um, you, you look at the cats, for example, the turnover here is, is minimal. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously new coach this year, mm. but that was the first time in, in so long. Yeah. But, it, but it, it's also the backroom staff, the manager. It is. Absolutely. You look at the Wildcats and even a club like Melbourne United, they're so stable. They are. But even, even away from the court in Adelaide, I, I do a bit of work for them and almost every time I need to contact somebody, someone different. the person I used to deal with is no longer there. Yeah, They've had yeah. a changeover and it's really tough to run a successful club when it is. you've got new people coming in at all levels starting from scratch. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And it, it starts from there. That's mm. kind of the foundation of the club is, is that, that management system. And again, when I was part of the Kings, that mm. background of it was all very up in the air, yeah, lots of moving parts, um, and it was, it was tough. It was tough. Um, lots of turnover through the team and even, even the management. But now they're stable, right? And look, yep. they're starting to be successful again sure. because of that stable management. Mm. Hopefully that they can find someone that's legit, is going to buy in, and and hopefully stay for a while mm. and and actually get the 36s back on the map you know because i think having adelaide as a threat each year is huge yeah. um because going to adelaide is, is never easy you know even when they're not the best team in the league it's always tough to play there mm. um yeah i it's it, it, it's it's an odd one it's an odd one and i like i said i didn't really see it coming mm. but um Obviously, I don't have a whole lot to do with lots of those yeah. guys anyway. So yeah, oh, I talk to Scott Ninnis every week. Yeah, and yeah. it's fair to say he would like to see the thirty sixes of power again. He, I can imagine the, the yeah. frustration I hear in his voice every week. It's it's quite significant. Yeah. I, I feel for him. He, he would love to to see some stability into this club. But on the court, it looks like they're about to make a significant change and bring in a, a new import. I don't think it's going to be Jerome Randall. Like it looked like it might have been a few days ago. Yep. Scotty Hobson's the name that now looks like it's most likely. Before we talk about the names themselves, if you were them, now that Isaac Humphreys is down, what sort mm. of player would have you been looking for? They need a big, again, mm. like yeah. the Cats. They, they need a big. Um, DJ is a four-man. Mm. You know, he's not a five. Yep. Um, you know, you look, at, you look at the Kings where they've got Jarrell Martin who... He's a four-man, but playing that five, but he's got that strength and yeah. brute about him where yeah. he can do that. Sure. DJ is a lot more of a finesse player. Mm. So he's, he's not going to be banging with the big guys. Mm. Um, Bear is... His body can't take playing more than 20-something yeah. minutes a game. Yeah. And if he does, then he's going to break down by the end of the year. So I, yeah. honestly, I think they need that, that big again. Mm. Hard to find. Yeah. Very hard to find, especially this time of the year. Um, but I think that's probably the position they need to fill. Yeah, but having said that, I mean, Matty Knight made the point last week, if the Kings can bring in Ian Clark, mm -hmm. and if even if someone like Scotty Hobson's available, maybe it's not quite as hard as we thought. Maybe yeah. maybe, maybe there is the chance to bring in some high-quality players. Definitely. If it ends up being Scotty Hobson, to me, that just, all that does is it means that Sunday Detch... Dusty Hannes and Todd Withers all end up playing a lesser role. Mm -hmm. It's nothing against Scotty because he's a great player. Yeah. But I don't know if they really need that type of player. No. It's Scotty's proved that he can be good in this league. Yeah. 
his last year in the league probably wasn't his best, mm. but he was still a very handy player yeah. in this league. But I don't, I don't really know if he would fit in properly, or if that's really what they need. Mm. If anything, it gives them a bit, bit more height in their guards. Yeah. Because they're not exactly a, a tall unit. No. Um, but again, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know if, if he or Jerome Randall, like mm. the, the rumors had suggested, um, would would fit this season. Again, Jerome being another guy that is just an excitement machine in in the league. Kind of feels like he wants it a bit too much. <laughs> a little bit, a little <laughs> bit. But you know, he he did a lot for that for that Adelaide. Yeah. Um, organization and up on my uh, little Facebook memories today mm. actually popped up all those videos of before that last game in Adelaide when we beat them yeah. to, to get into the grand yep. final yep. Of, of all the <laughs> we don't like those guys yep. we hate them yep. you know they, they all they do is fight and then play <laughs> basketball yep. um, which again that was all just part of hyping up that yeah. that series um, he's an awesome dude off the court yep. and so, again, two guys with lots of talent that would probably better the league, but I don't know how much they would better this team. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's a great point. Um, it's amazing, isn't it? If you go back to, to that, what was it, four or five years ago, and we were getting ready for a grand final series, and we're not even halfway through this. Yeah, season. I know. I know. <laughs> how crazy is that? All right, we've, we've got your thoughts about the Wildcats and what they might need to do earlier. Yep. We talked a little bit about the Taipans, but I want to get your thoughts a little bit more because... To me, things are, are pretty delicately poised. And Adam Ford in his first season, he came out, he was scathing on his group the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. He went public with it, calling them out. And then even in their loss to the Hawks on, on Friday at halftime, you, you would notice it. usually a coach, if he's not happy with his team, he would come out and he might say he's not happy, but he won't call out specific moments. But Fordy called out specific players, specific players for mm-hmm. what they'd done wrong. And I just find you've got to be careful because... Probably especially players nowadays might not like being pushed mm. like that and they like probably like being treated with kid gloves a little bit more yeah. rather than being called out. So 40, I mean, I, I love his honesty, but at the same time, I don't know if this group's responding to it. And based on what we saw on the weekend, they're not. Because they started both games pretty well. Across the two games against the Hawks and the 36ers, they, were, they outscored their opponents 44 to 26 in the first quarters. Mm-hmm. But the, up, the rest of the game in both of them, they were outscored 135 to 81. Yeah. They had 39 turnovers across the two <coughs> games. Firstly, I'll get your thoughts on Fordy's coaching methods, and then where do you see the problems in, in that group? Um, look, Fordy's, Fordy's one of those coaches that will yell and scream and get in your face, and yep. I don't have a problem with that. Mm. I, I played for a coach in college that was all about that. And, <laughs> yes. um, Look, it, it does. It, well, let's be honest, you've got a dad that's pretty well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um But look, you know, you've got to adjust for different players. And, you know, the, the generation of player going through now is, like you said, it's probably, it's probably a bit softer. Not really how I want to put it, but mm. I'm not really sure how else to put it yeah, right yeah. now. Um, but they don't really respond to that hard-nosed mm. yelling and screaming and, you know, getting line tight. Coaching, but that's how forty coaches. Yeah, you know, he's been successful with it. He's a really good coach. Yeah. Um, the thing for me is a lot of the stuff that cans are doing are just all self-inflicted. Mm. You know, like I said, thirty-nine turnovers across two games mm. is ridiculous. Yeah. There's no way that should happen. Yeah. 
And a lot of that is just being lazy. Yeah. Um, and that stuff that you can fix. And it's similar defensively. I think what's frustrating him is that they're just missing assignments. Yeah. And I think what's frustrating him is that you feel like that's that's just a lack of attention from him at times yep. and just being, like you said, yep. lazy and not not going that extra extra effort to know the scout yep. and to follow it. It is. It is. And that's where his yelling and screaming comes into play. Yeah. You know? He's not going to yell and scream at you for making a mistake that um, is like an aggressive mistake, sure. right? Yeah. Not many coaches are going to do that, mm. right? But if you're a passive, if you're not not doing the right thing on defense, if you're missing that assignment, if you're mm. throwing a lazy pass to the post that gets picked off, yeah. that's where coaches get really frustrated. Yeah. And that makes total sense because that's stuff you can control. The other team is out there making tough shots over hands. You're doing the right thing. Right, you're putting all of his um, game plan into play, and the other team's beating you. Well done, good job, move on. Right, but if the players aren't buying in, if they're not, if they don't have look, Kansas especially, they're one of those teams that need to be like the Jack Jumpers. Yeah, they need to be that energetic, up and in, shooting lanes. I think that's a perfect example. But they're not. They can be with the personnel they have, and they have to be with the personnel they have, but they're just not doing that. Um, so I think Forty has every right to do what he's doing right now. Does enough change when they get full strength again? So they're missing Jared Kenny, Nate Jarwai, Coatnoy. Do those three make enough of a difference to change that, or are the problems a little bit deeper? Um, it can be, but it also... It, it, might not as well. It's, yeah. it's going to depend on the whole unit to buy in. Yeah. And that's something that we haven't really seen from them is that buy-in. Mm. Um, I don't know about Quartnoy. I, I feel like he's kind of that like really talented player, yeah. but defensively he's, mm. he's like, he doesn't want a bar of it. No. He wants to go down the other end and shoot his shots, yeah. which lots of players are like that. I get that. But if you're on this type of a team, you need a buy-in defensively because mm. right? you don't have that superstar quality player yeah. that's healthy. Machado is yeah, that no, player, yeah, sure. but he's not healthy, right? It's, it's a tough one. I've, I think the big thing for them is the buy-in from everyone and, and making sure that they clean up that little, the little stuff. And 40, 40 mentioned it a, a few weeks ago, yeah. you know, in, in one of their games, you know, too many turnovers. Yeah. And that's, that's stuff that they can control. And, and that, is, that is the thing that's going to turn their season around is, is fixing those little things. New Zealand breakers as well. We talk, talked about them earlier, but to me, they're a team that when things get a little bit hard, things seem to, they don't seem to have that ability to dig deep and find mm -hmm. their way out of it. Um, yeah. A lot of that is probably not having your captain, Tom Abercrombie, out there, who's the heart and soul of the club. Very much so. But you do have a healthy Rob Lowe that you could be calling upon right, right now. Mm -hmm. um, are you surprised that he seems to have completely fallen off, off the face of the earth, at least in the eyes of... Dan Shamir. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. He's, uh, and, and I feel for Rob, you know, he's a really good mate of mine. Mm. Went to college together. Mm. Um, played against each other for Australia and New Zealand yep. in juniors and under 19s and absolutely hated each other's <laughs> guts. We would get into a fight nearly every time we'd play. Wow. Um, was he up in Cairns when you had your short stint? No, in so he was away with uh, the Tall Blacks. I okay. okay. Could have been. Yeah, him, yeah. him and JK, I think, were away. Unfortunately, because yeah. because I was really looking forward to catching up, but um, yeah. So I really feel for him because it, it it seems like 
what's happening to him is similar to what happened to me in, in Wollongong in that for whatever reason, you know, whether it's the coaches or the management that said you need to just do this amount of rotation, this person, this person shouldn't be playing. He, he gives you something that the other bigs on their team don't really give you. Um, he stretched the floor. That's it. Yeah. He, he can stretch the floor. He's, he's a footer mm. and he can, he's a legitimate threat from three. Yeah. So that helps to bring those big guys out. Right? And that gives all their guards who are really good that opportunity to be able to attack the rim yep. and get to the rim without having those shot blockers there. You know, Wetzel is he's, he's really good. Yeah. He's awesome. But I think they can play together. And I think Finn Delaney can even spend time at the three yeah. to, to do that. Yeah. And then you've got a big lineup out there and that's some you know, big traps on on balls or, or whatever you want to do. You can, you can switch a lot of stuff. You can, you can do a lot with that. But it seems like the coaching staff is very set in their ways mm-hmm. um, and, and don't really want to budge with that, mm. um, which really is a bit ludicrous seeing as they're not winning yep. really any yep. games. So figured, why not? Let's change something up mm. because what we're doing isn't working. So yeah, look, I, I really feel for, for my guy, Rob. And I know it's got to be hard. It's got to be hard because he's, he's got a wife and a newborn. So it's tough. It's tough. Let's get to round 13 in the NBL, Cody. We'll race through these games because it's a, a lot of action. Thursday through all the way to Tuesday. Starts on Thursday night. Pretty important game for both teams. The Taipans up against the Bullets. Yeah, uh, yeah look, huge game, for bo- uh, huge game for both teams. It's going to, de- again, it's going to depend on, I guess, how close it is at the end of the game to yeah. see if Brisbane can, can nip a close one or if, or if they're just... Because I think they're playing really good basketball, yeah. whereas Cairns I don't think are. Yeah. Um, so I would expect Brisbane to kind of run away with that one. Mm-hmm. But if it's close, it'll be interesting to see how Brisbane um, deal with that. Absolutely. Friday night, another interesting one. So the Elwara Hawks still trying to string some form together. Mm-hmm. But the Adelaide 36ers, it'll be interesting if, if they can you know, string wins together at the same time. Yeah, this one's a, a flip of the coin, mate. Um, like I, like I said earlier, the Hawks are just I don't I don't know about them. Mm. Um, super talented on paper, should be easily in that top four, yeah. especially with the coaching staff. But Gorge just doesn't look like he knows how to to deal with it and how to yeah. adjust because he's never dealt with a team that doesn't buy into his defensive yeah. concepts. Yeah. So there's a bit going on there too. And Adelaide kind of just out there just playing right now. Like mm. they've just got to go out and, and hoop and, and play to the best they can. I reckon the Hawks turn it around a bit after the, that loss on the weekend and, and get that one. A couple of games on Saturday. First one, short turnaround for the Brisbane Bullets, at home for the Jack Jumpers, and it's probably one team you don't want to be going yeah. in a little bit tired against. Definitely not, definitely not. Real quick turnaround um, against a team that's, that's up and about right now. And again, that's... That's something that I think the Bullets need to be able to deal with early. Mm. I reckon Tassie, just the way they play, the up-tempo yeah. speed, I think they kind of run away with that one. This will be interesting too because the first couple of times they met, it couldn't have been more contrasting. Yeah. So we've got the South East Melbourne Phoenix at home to the Perth Wildcats. Yeah. Um, this is going to be an awesome game. Um, I think especially... 
you know, with some of Phoenix shooters starting mm-hmm. to find a bit of form, hopefully continuing that. Yeah. Um, and then the Cats with one that they, they probably should have won, but they're also in a bit of a slump in they've just they play really good for a quarter mm. and then die off a little bit. Yeah. Um, which was all well and dandy when they were starting the game average because those last three quarters were really good. Mm. <laughs> but it's kind of been here, there and everywhere for yep. them the past few games. Um, I, I, reckon that, uh, I reckon that Phoenix get that one. Yeah, Morgan Phoenix did mm. that one. Sunday, when you've got a short turnaround, it's emphasised a little bit when you have the early starting time on a Sunday as well. So that's all. That's probably a little more than yeah, 36 hours geez. between games for the 36ers to get back home against the, the red-hot Sydney, Sydney Kings. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to chase Adams around mm-hmm. after a short turnaround yeah. is, is not going to be fun at all. Um, yeah, look, they've got their hands full on Friday against the Hawks for mm. sure um, and then turning around against the Kings is, is tough that's uh, that's a tough double jeez um, look I, th- I think the Kings get the better of them there uh, I think Sydney's kind of one of those hotter teams right now this one scares me a little bit <laughs> Cairns Taipans at home to Melbourne United who will be who will be freshened up yeah they will be they will be and again bit of a short turnaround I think Melbourne Kind of flex their muscles again mm-hmm. and, and their depth again and, and yeah, put cans to bed fairly early. Yeah, it's hard, it's, it's hard to see anything else. Yeah, it is. Um, Monday night, this will be a good one too. The Tasmania Jack Jumpers against the Wildcats. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be fun. That'll be a good one again. Um, it's, jeez, uh, how, how many more games have Perth got on the road, do you know? Okay, so after, after these two, they've still got four more to go. So they're, okay. they're booked in for four more games up until March 14. Yep. And then they'll be hoping to be, to be home to after be that. To be back mid-March. In, in okay. So Perth probably have a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel, you know, with, with four or five games to go before coming home. This is one that they need to win um, to, to finish as high as possible especially, coming home. Especially if they've lost on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it's a tough one because, again... Tassie pick up a team that has a tough one a couple of days before. Mm. So they've got them at the right time again. But I think, especially if they, if they drop it on Saturday, I think Bryce comes out and just absolutely obliterates them. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the Cats win that one. Then last up on Tuesday, down in Tasmania, I think it is, um, the Breakers against the Hawks. Gee, you just can't take this lightly if you're, no. if you're, if you're the Hawks. No, not at all. The, the Hawks can't take anyone lightly right mm. now. And that's kind of what I think they did to the Jack Jumpers. They kind of thought, mm. ah, it's just, it's just Tassie. Yeah. You know, they've won some games, but, you know, they we're, we're, a lot, we're a lot more talented <laughs> and they yeah. can't shoot. So, yeah, they can't afford, if they want to stay in contention and stay in touch with that top four, they can't afford to take anyone lightly, um, especially a New Zealand team that has nothing to lose now. Yeah that is just doing what they can to, to win games. Mm. Um, I think the Hawks get it done and have a big weekend for themselves and, yeah. and get the, the two wins. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that. And I'll be back with a Tap Touch preview later in the week with Matty Knight as well to, to pick his brains and get some more thoughts. But before we go, Cody, the Boomers are going to head up to Japan right now, obviously mm. coached by Rob Beveridge, as we spoke to him about a couple of weeks ago. They've narrowed down their squad to 12. Yep. So I'll run through that quickly. Kyle Zunik, Alex Madronia. Tyrese Proctor, Jalen Galloway, Akolda Gak, 
David O'Quera, Nick Kay, Angus Brandt, Reese Vague. Great to see those three got yeah. through whatever Bevo's problem or the problems that Bevo talked about um, a couple of weeks ago. So that's all cleared up. Emmett Nah, Makoak Malawak, and Craig Moller. In these circumstances, that's a, a pretty nice 12. So they play Friday against Chinese Taipei, Sunday against Japan, and then Monday again against Chinese Taipei. What do you, what do you think, Cody? Oh, it's good. That's a really good squad. And, and like you said, I'm, I'm glad those three were able to join the squad and mm. actually be able to play for them. Um, especially Nick. I think he's, he's going to be the heart and soul of that squad for sure. Um, but having a, a good, really good big in Angus Brandt there is going to be huge for them. Yeah, look, I think that's going to be a fun team to watch. Um, you know, some of these guys probably not really well known um, yet, but will be in the future. Sure. Um, so good to get their feet wet and, um, and, and play. Do we know if we can watch these games anywhere? I assume so. Yeah, I'm I, not I, 100% sure where. I don't know. I'll, I'll get back to you about that, <laughs> but I need to be covering them, so I need to be able to watch it somewhere. Yeah, so we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll definitely find a stream. They might even be live on Fox Sports, I think, yeah, through cool. ESPN, I think, similar yep. to what... The Opals games one. Yeah, awesome. Awesome. Fingers crossed. And uh, yeah, if, if you get a chance, definitely watch out for those games. Yep. So that we'll come back and reflect on all of this next week, Cody. I'll wrap it up for this week. Thanks to Hoop7 for making it possible. I'm Chris Pike. But Cody, I'm going to leave you with what your thoughts would be of catching up with the old scoring machine next week because your battles at NBL and NBL1 or SBL level are something you'll probably never forget. Yeah, definitely, definitely never going to forget. Um, no, it'd be really good. It'd be really good to talk to Sean. And, uh, you know, one guy like Jesse that I hated but also loved playing <laughs> against. So, um, no, it'd be good to catch up.